Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into today's episode. I am back in Australia after an absolutely inspirational and rejuvenating time out in Africa, particularly the last week where I spent it in the wilderness. And if you've been to the African bush, you'll know that like a week in the bush feels as if you've been relaxing for like a month. And so I'm alive and kicking and full of energy and so pumped for the year that lies ahead. We've also got a conference here in Australia, and I'm very excited about that. That's happening next month, Bitcoin Alive 2024. If you want to get a discount, use Ricky Martin um, at checkout. I did not pick that particular name, FYI, but you get a little discount and certainly would recommend you come along because this year is going to be bigger and better than last year, I've been told. Anyway, over to today's show. Today's guest is Ben Van Hool. He is the COO of Jan3 the orange pulling nation state adoption Bitcoin company. That's a bit of a mouthful that Samson Mao started. And it originally started with Samson Mao going across to El Salvador and Ben and the rest of the team have been going around the world, talking to various leaders and opposition and all sorts of people in positions of power about how Bitcoin can help their country. We also spoke about Jan3's latest application called Aqua. It's a mobile app that also allows for swaps to USDT. Now, not everyone's a fan of USDT, but as someone who has lived in Africa, I can see the benefit of having a strong fiat currency. And I use strong in inverted commas because obviously they're all designed to go to zero over enough time. But in a country that suffers from chronic inflation, I think it'd be quite a useful tool to be able to say, hey, I receive payments in Bitcoin, and then I can convert a percentage to something that's a little bit more stable so that I can plan my life. So we chatted about Aqua Wallet and all of its features. I learned a little bit about the Liquid Network, which I'd never really bothered to spend any amount of time on. And then we also got into how Bitcoin can help with wildlife conservation. And I absolutely love that part of it. And it's inspired me to actually just push forward and do something in the space. So watch the space. I'm not sure what it is and how it's going to work, but it's going to happen. Anyway, over to the show and I'd love to get your feedback. Cheers. Which one's the best crypto asset? Well, Bitcoin's the best crypto asset. Okay. What's the second best? There is no second best. There is no second best crypto asset. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Why Bitcoin Show. I'm your host, Dale Warburton. It's a weekly podcast on why Bitcoin matters and what makes it completely different to all other cryptocurrencies. If you're interested in Bitcoin and you'd like to distill crypto fact from fiction, you've come to the right place. All right, Ben, hey. welcome to the Why Bitcoin show, the remote version here in Cape Town, my former hometown. Hey, nice to be here. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, total pleasure. It's really good to meet you and... I loved your presentation earlier, really interesting stuff. We got quite a bit of different things I'd love to chat about. I haven't given you a, a clue what we're talking about, so hopefully you're no happy idea. to run with it. <laughs> okay. How's the, how have you found um, the conference so far, uh, just at a high level? Yeah, I mean, we have to understand that this is the first edition of a Bitcoin conference in South Africa. Yeah. So I'm quite happy actually, because it's running smooth, there's a lot of people. And the one thing I really like about this conference is that it's not only for hardcore Bitcoiners or something. There's even people here that never heard about Bitcoin and that want to learn. Mm. Uh, we got NGOs, we brought NGOs in that we want to help uh, uh, to implement Bitcoin. 
So that's something I really appreciate about this. Absolutely. It really does seem to be a case of everyone from maxis to no coiners or pre coiners. And I've seen the, the, what's been quite cool, I thought, is just you know, the likes of NGOs, but also these um, civil society groups that are expressing interest in Bitcoin as freedom technology and what it means for the African continent. Listen to some interesting talks today. So, yeah, and, and for a first conference, I think it's done exceptionally well. Uh, it's a brilliant venue, the, the uh, convention center, and I think they've pulled it off really nicely. So, yeah, otherwise, and how's your experience been of Cape Town? Just, um, I'm asking this because this is my former hometown and uh, it's always has a fond uh, place in my heart. First time in Cape Town here. Yeah. Not my first time. Uh, not my first time in South Africa. Yes. But first time in Cape Town, and we really love it here. Absolutely. Wonderful. It's a beautiful city. It's beautiful people. Nice people. We've been around already a little bit. We're gonna stay a couple more days after the conference just to see the area. Brilliant. Loving it. Awesome. Okay. I'm gonna give you some places to go and some hot tips because. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, I was fortunate enough to spend 21 years of my life here and I've done most of it, I think, so I've got some good ideas. Okay, Okay. so there's a couple different, uh, the way I'm looking at kind of today's conversation, there are three main buckets of, sort of things to chat about. I want to talk to you about your role at Jan3, your guys' mission, how things are progressing, what you're seeing, that kind of stuff. Then I want to talk about your new application that I saw you present on today, Aqua, and Liquid. Chat a little bit about liquid. Mm -hmm. I'm a, a liquid newbie, okay. um, so no let's problem. dive into that. And then I want to talk bush stuff with you. Um, your work with NGOs, trying to help some NGOs get on a kind of Bitcoin standard as a work. Right. And so, yeah, those are kind of the main buckets. So let's start off with Jan 3 and the nation state adoption journey. You guys have been all over the show and I've seen you from places, you know, from Indonesia and Mexico and all over the show. What are some of the very kind of high-level takeaways or patterns that you've picked up in engaging with leaders, parliaments, etc., people in these countries? What are some of the things you can say you've, you've learned in your journey thus far as a company? Yeah, lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> but um, every country is different, first of all. And every country needs to be approached in a different way. Mm -hmm. But I think we kind of established a little bit the name as being the nation state adoption company. So when people approach us, and I mean just ordinary people, when they have an idea about their country and they want to approach uh, political leaders, mm -hmm. they often think about Chantry and they contact us. So that's how we get to those politicians uh, because we couldn't do that ourselves. But it's nice that Bitcoiners all around the world now know that if they want their uh, governor, their senator to be informed about Bitcoin, well, maybe let's try and see if we can get Chantry over here. Mm, that's awesome. It's like you've got orange pill foot soldiers running around and when there's an opportunity and they think that there's a good reason, they will get you into the room. And when you're talking to people, just give us a picture of like the average China kind of profile because are you talking to opposition leaders, people who think they can use Bitcoin as now a way to try and attract more votes away from the incumbent? Or is it people in parliament who want to hear about rules? Is it the current government? I mean, what's, who are the, like, what do you see on average? Is it, yeah. is it everyone? Again, that also depends on where we go. Yeah. But in general, in the beginning when we started this, well, actually Samson started this with his visit to El Salvador. And that mm. was with the president, Nayib Bukele. And that was obviously the right person to talk to because yeah. 
I mean, he has the power to decide on things. That's nice. But then afterwards, there was often most, uh, often most uh, opposition parties, people active in politics, but wanting to use Bitcoin maybe just for their benefits. I'm seeing a change now again. Mm-hmm. Because the last visits that we did, and I was in Suriname with Samsung in uh, November, mm-hmm. that was again the, the running uh, government. And we had the luck of having a girl there that helped us to get to the Minister of Foreign Affairs, the Central Bank, and even the President. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, if, you have, if you're talking to the right people, mm. uh, you can get to the right people to speak with, and preferably that is the people running the country. Now, it's also interesting, like in the Netherlands and in Germany, we do have contacts with people in parliament, mm-hmm. and they, have, they do not have, I mean, a majority decision. But they're also really important because those are really pro-Bitcoin people, and they can spread the word among their colleagues. Mm-hmm. And that's also something we're focusing on. Okay. Yeah, it really can, I mean, the good thing about it is that it doesn't matter who you are, you, it can benefit you. Yeah. And when you're talking to these folks, are you talking about it primarily as a store of value or a medium of exchange? We're mainly talking about what Bitcoin can do for the country and for the people in the country. Mm-hmm. And that can be different things. Obviously, I mean, some things are really the same for all countries. You can have... The fact that you use Bitcoin as a means of payment, I believe every country should do. But not making it legal tender, like El Salvador did. Mm -hmm. Because that is a step too far for many countries. El Salvador didn't have their own currency. So they had the US dollar, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have an own currency. So it was easy for them to make Bitcoin the second currency. Now, if we would have proposed that in Suriname, they would never have taken that because they have the Suriname dollar, and mm-hmm. they don't want to drop that. Yeah. It would, I mean, it, it would even create chaos if they would say, tomorrow there is no Suriname dollar anymore. So, yes. So those are things you cannot do. But we also propose, we proposed in Suriname, for instance, to the central bank to put 1% or 2% of their reserves into Bitcoin, because we think that would be a great investment, and over the long term, that would benefit the country. They're not ready to do that, but I believe we made a good impression. They mm-hmm. will start thinking about it. But for the same reason that we talked to them, they are now putting up working groups and looking into making Bitcoin a legal payment in the future. Uh, Again, that may not happen within the next months, but they do realize that if they want to benefit from being one of the first countries to adopt Bitcoin, that they should do something. Because the whole thing is, especially in Latin America, all these countries uh, suffer from high inflation, and they see what El Salvador has done. And now they want to know how they can do something similar, at least how can they have the benefits from it. Yeah. And then we explain them that um, they should not just talk about Bitcoin, they should make it legal to use, they should make some laws so that investors know that if they invest in the country, their money is not lost. Mm-hmm. And then you can start about attracting businesses, attracting investors into the country. Yeah. So you're creating like a regulatory framework that is very investor friendly. And so people want to actually go and invest. And you know, from what we hear, El Salvador has become that. And people's sentiment is so much more positive and optimistic and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, such a conversation with a European politician is completely different. Mm. Because in Europe, I mean, you don't have to tell them to put Bitcoin into their reserves. That would be a waste of time, I think. Yeah. You also don't have to tell them to make it legal tender. But 
here it's more about Bitcoin mining, I believe. Bitcoin, I mean, whether Bitcoin mining is bad or not bad for the environment, that's yeah. a big discussion in Europe. Okay. Uh, and also uh, about Bitcoin as a store of value. Interesting. Okay, so that's predominantly the way you'd approach uh, developed nations, is to talk about it as you know, you, these opportunities in mining, um, rather than thinking about putting a percentage of their you know, reserve assets. Um, Probably not going to happen immediately. Yeah, I believe there was a, a petition going around or there was some sort of chart or something going around in Australia where they were trying to encourage the central bank to put some Bitcoin on their balance sheet because apparently we literally have two gold bars and the rest uh, here in, in Australia and then the rest of the gold was sitting in London or something to that effect. So it's like, you know, not your keys, not your cheese kind of thing. So, <laughs> you know, and there really was, there's nothing else. There's nothing else backing the Aussie dollar. So I would have imagined that strategically, if you wanted to preserve the purchasing power of your currency, imagine what the power could be, what that could do if you put like 1%. Yep. Into, into Bitcoin. That 1% will become 10% over a couple of years and then yeah. it will continue growing. Yeah. yeah. But I think uh, yeah, your point is, is, is well taken in the sense that I think most people in European countries, I'd put Australia and, and you know, the US into that sort of bucket, they don't see the problem with the fiat currency system yet. And it's only in Africa and Latin America where they feel the pain acutely to varying degrees, some places much worse than others. Um, that they seem more readily, uh, sort of more ready to open their eyes to a, a different financial system. Yeah. Okay. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. And um, and so you'll talk to them about the mining. And do you feel as if on the mining side though that we've overcome the majority of FUD and that there's now enough good kind of good news momentum that will basically put this one to bed and just like, can we just stop talking about the, the boiling the oceans and stuff because it's nonsense. I don't think we're there yet, yeah. but I heard about working groups in Europe too, mm -hmm. explaining to policymakers that it's not that bad at all. But I think we're still not there yet. Yeah. No. Still a lot, of, a lot of work to do. There's that Dutch, that Dutch economist, digi-economist, who famously quoted in all of the energy consumption stuff and tries to produce all this data around you know, the amount of energy per transaction. And it's just, it's been just debunked time and time and time again until this person gets quoted. And so... Yeah, I know. It's, it's like two steps forward, one step back. But I think that, I think that we're winning on that front. I okay. also think so. Yeah. In the end, they can't ignore it anymore. Totally. And it's such a no-brainer. And I was talking to some folks yesterday here about how energy companies are invariably mining, uh, merging with mining companies. Yep. And they'll be kind of one and yep. the same in the future. It's such a no-brainer to sort of, as an energy producer, to like just learn about Bitcoin because it's, it's a phenomenal supplementary mechanism for you to just bootstrap your operations it's just it's so it's a great you know grid balancing all this kind of stuff it actually blows my mind it does yeah, yeah. It, it's very powerful okay so that's the sort of work that jan 3 is doing and have you got any sort of like um any interesting stories about uh, your travels in terms of have you is there like a story you could perhaps share with us about like an experience with any particular leader or anything you don't without naming them about how maybe things didn't go according to plan or whatever because I can imagine you can sometimes get right there and then you know the sort of I don't know maybe sometimes a bit of a hit or miss yeah I mean it did it did happen actually in Suriname yeah uh, we were supposed to meet with the president it was all planned and then suddenly I mean maybe he wanted to pull back I don't know 
but he asked us to be standby. And that was like uh, on a Monday uh, by noon. And we, uh, we were on standby until midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not moving anywhere, just waiting to go to the president. Uh. And then we got a call that he was canceling the whole thing. Oh. Yeah. And at that point, I mean, we really had to engage some local people that explained him that, well, listen, I mean, you have two guys here that want to talk Bitcoin to you. They want to help Suriname. They're not here for themselves. They're just here to help your country. Mm-hmm. If you let them go, they're probably, probably not going to come back anymore. So, I mean, why not just talk to them? And then uh, in the morning at 7, I was still in bed and I thought, well, okay, we won't go there. So I didn't really check my phone. But then suddenly, somehow, I did look at my phone and there was this message saying, well, you got to get up quickly now because we got to meet the president. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we went went there the next day and actually it was a great uh, discussion. I mean, he was listening. He was very open. He was limited in time because he had to fly out of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, But he asked us, well, prepare us a three-page proposal, not too long, that I can understand what Bitcoin can do and what we should do to implement Bitcoin. And we started working on that. We, we delivered that. And from there, they are now looking into working groups and stuff and so on. And we hope to, to, to continue the discussion. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's wonderful to hear. And it would be, I often like to think about how I was when I first heard about Bitcoin. And if you're not skeptical in the beginning, I don't think you're thinking. So I think it's, it's fair okay. for them to be skeptical sure. and to go, what, what are these guys doing coming to my country? Yeah. What I'd love to know is like, how do you guys, as I mean, you're going around almost um, kind of spreading the good word about Bitcoin, uh, essentially to on a nation state level, um, whereas we're doing it all on like a micro level, trying to orange pull friends and family and that. How, what is your, your guys sort of revenue source? Like, how do you guys like function as a company? Because I'm thinking to myself, um, uh, yeah, uh, how does one actually fund your operations? Yeah, uh, not by doing nation state uh, talks. Yes. <laughs> because, I mean, they're not paying our bills. Exactly. They're not. No, they're not. Uh, but Chantry is also a technology company and uh, we want to develop products that can help the next millions of people to be onboarded into Bitcoin. Mm. And that is why Aqua is one of our first products and we want to develop more products in the future that can bring us revenue. We also launched, like a few months ago, we launched Chantry Financial. Mm-hmm. That's an OTC desk. So we can help people worldwide buy Bitcoin if they want. Obviously, it's more directed towards high net worth, mm-hmm. institutions and, and those things. Yeah. But that's also activities that we are uh, setting up. Okay, perfect. I did not know about the, uh, the OTC desk. Okay. So I'm glad you mentioned AquaWallet. Really enjoyed the presentation today. And just from it, like, I like to look at things as if I'm just an an idiot consumer, because I am an idiot consumer. I don't want to think about the tech. I don't find tech that interesting. It's just who I am. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? I just want it to work. And when I looked at it, we we downloaded one a wallet while while we were watching. And, um, you know, it worked absolutely perfectly. I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about the, the, the functionality in terms of the stable coins. Because yep. that was awesome. And then just talk to us a little bit about Liquid because I think a lot of people who watch the show would know about Lightning. We always talk about Lightning. But Liquid is just one of these things that really has never, 
I've never spoken about it and I've never actually taken the time to learn about it. So yeah, maybe you can just talk us, talk to us about those features and then yeah. and, and, and talk about like liquid as well then. Okay. So we had to find a way to make Bitcoin transactions cheaper because there's an issue with uh, the fees on the main chain. And that is because of ordinals and stuff being uh, released on the on the chain. Mm. But in the future, so those, these fees will keep going up anyway. And we also want them to be high because mm. they need to subsidize the miners doing their work to protect the network. So that's one of the things that we want to solve. And then there's also the stable coins. And then there's also the complexity of running your own Lightning wallet in a non-custodial way. Mm. It's I think it's way too complex for just normal users. So, I mean, very quick, there's three issues that we want to solve. Yeah. Now, we're looking at uh, Liquid because Liquid is one of the scaling solutions existing today for Bitcoin. And there's not many scaling solutions today. I mean, basically, there is Lightning, there is Liquid, and then maybe some solutions like Fedi mm -hmm. that can help communities in, uh, in the future. But besides that, it's still all in development and not ready to be used. Mm -hmm. okay. And we wanted to release a wallet. So, I mean, we want to have something that works. Now, Liquid is almost a copy of Bitcoin except that there is two major changes. First, there is blinded tra transactions. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the blockchain, you do not see the amount that is transacted, except for the sender and the buyer and, and the receiver. They can see it. But all other people, they cannot see what's happening uh, in terms of transactions fee, uh, in, in the blockchain. Yeah. So that gives you a lot of confidentiality. And that is important, not for everyone maybe, mm -hmm. but I mean, let's talk about refugees, and, and people like those, they might want to want to have that. Then Liquid also has a faster block time. Bitcoin has a 10-minute block time. Liquid has a one-minute block time. Mm -hmm. So Liquid can actually handle like 10 times more transactions than Bitcoin can, and it can even be scaled in the future. So for the intermediate time, as long as we do not have other solutions, it's probably one of the best solutions available to scale Bitcoin. Okay. And we are combining, in Aqua, we are combining Liquid with Lightning. Now, I know that people were complaining that Aqua is not a Lightning wallet. That's true. We are not saying that it's a Lightning wallet. Mm -hmm. It's a Liquid wallet enabled for Lightning. So from your Liquid balance in the wallet, you can actually pay Lightning invoices. Okay. And you can also accept Lightning invoices. Mm. But they always get stored into Liquid. Now, Liquid is it's not a decentralized chain. It's a chain run by a federation of companies, and they do not have an own token. It's not like Ethereum or Tron or something. Yeah. So for every Bitcoin circulating on the Liquid network, there is a Bitcoin locked on the blockchain, much like you do for a Lightning channel. But then in this case, it's locked in a wallet which is uh, controlled by a federation of 15 companies running the Liquid platform. Mm. So it's... It's what they call a federated solution. It's not fully, fully non-custodial maybe, but it's a very good temporary solution for people in, um, in emerging markets, Latin America, stuff like that. And much like you say, they do not really care whether it is lightning or liquid. They want it to be safe. Mm -hmm. They want it to be in the wallet and they want it to, I mean, to work. Yeah. Because if you have to pay an invoice, which is $15, but you need to pay $10 extra in fees, that's not really going to work. No. And now with Aqua, we kind of solved all these issues for the moment. I hope we can go with this solution for a longer time. Yeah. 
which makes it a good wallet for uh, daily use, uh, for spending, for receiving, let's say, normal amounts. I'm not talking about $1. If you want to send $1 or even a cent or something, that's not really good to do that from Aqua. But you can't even do that from other Lightning wallets these days, except from the custodial wallets. Yeah. And that means that it's fully controlled by the company developing the wallet. 100%. Yeah, that makes sense. When While you were talking, I went and my friend downloaded it. I used Wallet of Satoshi to pay an invoice. So then that would go from Lightning onto the wallet. And is it then is it in Liquid once it's arrived there? Yep. But you're using Lightning to accept the Bitcoin. Well, yeah. What we actually do is we work, we don't do it ourselves. It's a third-party service. Yes. It's called Bolts. Mm -hmm. And what we actually do is when you pay a uh, Lightning invoice, your wallet is sending Liquid Bitcoin to the swap service. Mm -hmm. And then the swap service will send out a payment on the Lightning Network for you yes, okay. to the invoice that you provided to them. Mm -hmm. So it's a two-step payment. Yes. But since Liquid is low in transaction fees, the whole payment is not that expensive and it's, okay. and it's feasible. And you don't have to worry because the swap service is running the Lightning node, has all the balanced channels, has the liquidity. So you as a user, you don't have to worry about that. Totally. And what I really liked was I saw there that you have the functionality for stable coins. And this is something I was giving, you know, I was chatting about in my talk earlier today, which is saying like, look, right now we have to accept the fact that there is a use case for crypto and that is basically tether on Tron, you know, whether we like it or not. And, but I did say that using, you know, tarot or, ta you know, uh, or taproot and then with liquid, there's stuff happening that I think will make this stuff obsolete in time. Uh, I loved how that, you know, so I could send, say, $10 and then my friend could go, actually, I'm going to keep five in USDT and then five in Bitcoin. That's actually such a great feature. And, um, and so have you guys thought about any sort of stable sats type thing? Or uh, do you reckon that it's really just Tether that can solve that problem for you in terms of a stable coin? No, it's not, a, it's not that. But stable sats as they exist today are actually option contracts. I mean, they are made stable because there's a financial product behind. Mm -hmm. And we believe that we cannot do that in Aqua because it, took, it would require us to be licensed to do that because you're actually then uh, holding the people's money uh, and putting financial products against it to make it stable. Yes. While as the way that we are doing it, uh, we are not intervening in that. Because we are using Liquid and because Liquid has can have other assets issued on the Liquid blockchain, mm. there is now US dollar tether uh, on Liquid already. And we can just use it as an asset in the wallet. We don't have to swap anything. We don't have to put financial products or contracts behind it, like option contracts. Mm -hmm. It's just tether. Yes, okay. So, I mean, we believe it's so much simpler, isn't it? It's <laughs> so much simpler. Way, way simpler to do it. Yeah. yeah. And if I, and then if I decided then I wanted to cash all of that out for fiat, Let's imagine I've got my tether, my tether balance, I've got my Bitcoin liquid balance. Do I need to then go back onto the main chain, send it to, a, like, send it to an address on, in my exchange wallet, and then be able to convert that? Today, you would probably have to do that because all the on and off RAMs that we have are uh, Bitcoin only. But some of the on RAMs that we are going to integrate into Aqua are also looking into liquid Bitcoin. So at that point, you will be able just to convert your liquid Bitcoin 
into fiat again. Yes, okay. Because what I've also noticed is like generally we've seen that the majority of exchanges have embraced Lightning. And so if you wanted to send your Bitcoin there, you'd have to send it on chain. I'm imagining that over time they're going to be embracing Lightning, they'll be embracing Liquid. Um, as it becomes more and more obvious that we need these second layer solutions. Yep. And it's actually uh, quite, a, it's quite a blessing. I perceive it as quite a blessing that people are doing ordinals and inscriptions and all sorts of garbage. And I haven't even taken the time to learn what they're about because I don't care. All yep. I know is the fees are high and I had to learn what a UTXO was yep. and all that jazz. So I don't know, what's your guys' sort of perception of you know, everything that's happening on, on the main chain? Like from a philosophical perspective, point of view do you guys as a company have a view on ordinals um, do you care well as a co- I can't talk as a company but me personally uh, I don't really care I mean Bitcoin is free to use so whatever you can do on Bitcoin you can do I think it's just a waste of money and time to have ordinals on Bitcoin mm-hmm. but I mean that's up to the people that issue them so yeah you're a free we, market we, guy yeah yeah people will do whatever they want to do with their own money I mean, in the end, they will probably find out that uh, these ordinals are not really worthwhile uh, yeah. p- putting them there and it will just stop. Yeah. I actually noticed today because I'm like, just, I've now started looking at the mempool and I'm like, it was che- it's cheap. It's like 26 uh, per V-bytes today. Again? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm like, okay, so you see. So I'm going, woo. It's going up and down. Uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, but a few days ago, I was, uh, well, it wasn't a few days ago, it was about two weeks ago, I started just consolidating UXOs like a madman because I was just like, I'm worried about this because this could just go on and on and on and up yep. and up and up. But it's, it's amazing to see how these just fee markets have come up and down, up and down. And I'm just wondering, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite incredible just to see the fluctuations. Yeah, I, I thought it would just sort of continue upwards now. All right, so that's sort of like, I guess, aqua. And when you look at kind of the long-term sort of plans with the wallet, like, okay, initially you, you're doing the, I mean, non-custodial, uh, liquid Bitcoin, you also have stablecoin functionality. Is there anything else that you guys have thought in your roadmap ahead and gone, this is something that we might want to do in the future, like maybe some sort of vault or multi-sig type setup where it can become a, more of a robust um, solution for long-term, bigger pools of capital? Yeah, I mean, we're thinking about all possible integrations. Can be a hardware wallet, can be uh, services like a yield generation, maybe if we can do it in a non-custodial way. Mm-hmm. Anything that is useful to have in a Bitcoin wallet, we will consider. And we want to end up with some kind of super app, which is your Bitcoin wallet, and you only need just one app. That's what we want to get to. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. It's almost like a natural evolution eventually, whether it's like, yeah, it's the yield and the custodial piece just building out. Um, a like, bank in your pocket. Yeah, actually. totally, totally. I've had a lot of conversations of late where it's been about how eventually you're going to be able to earn a yield on your Bitcoin and you're going to be able to kind of do what Unchained do. And so they don't rehypothecate it, but you know, the, the cost today just doesn't sort of stack up. Yeah. And you, you, know, you can get a better deal elsewhere, but then they're rehypothecating that all over the show. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Like w- when you guys think about the yield generation products that don't rehypothecate, how far away are those types of products in your mind? Like if, if you were to guess, you know, from like mainstream adoption, if you're seeing like banks and all these types of players starting to say, hey, give me your Bitcoin and I'll give you a risk-free hmm. return. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all with the developers. We have limited resources, so we need to plan. Uh, there's a lot of integrations that we plan to do over the next uh, months. 
but I think within one year from now, you will see a totally different Aqua already with way more uh, possibilities inside the wallet than we have today. Today is like the core version of the wallet, mm -hmm. and that is something you can use completely free. Uh, also, you don't have to register, you don't have to give any information. There is no tracking on anything which is happening inside the wallet. You can see that in the App Store, it says no, no tracking at all. But then the services that will come on top, it's up to you to decide if you want to use them or not. Some of these services, most of them probably will require KYC, and so you'll, you will have to go through that process with the service provider. That's yeah. not with us, that's a third-party provider. Yes. Uh, but it's up to you. I mean, you can just use the core wallet and, and stay away from all the integrations. Yeah. But I think in a year from now, we will have quite some interesting integrations, on-ramps, off-ramps, maybe uh, things like finding uh, places where you can buy Bitcoin, things like buying coupons uh, or stuff like that. Mm. Um, I mean, it's all existing services, but yeah. now you need to have like five or six or seven apps to use them. Um, and we're just going to make sure that you have it all in one app. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I must say the, the UX was really good. Um, uh, idiot proof. It's always just got to work. It's got to be intuitive. If you really like have it explained and stuff like that, I just think you really lost people. Uh, as my wife likes to say, it falls into the too hard bucket. Don't have time. <laughs> Just leave it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's really cool is the fact that, I mean, firstly, you guys have committed to make this open source. Yeah. So that's the one thing. And the other thing is, you know, with a guy like Samson behind it, there's a lot of like credibility and it's like, you know what I mean? It's not just some sort of anonymous fella. Um, nope. it's, it's a person who's got like big skin in the game, a uh, big track record of, you know, having been very credible. And so, yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of good things, um, you know, to look forward to. So. Awesome, and I'm sure the folks in Australia are going to be keen to test it out, and I'll, I'll see what they say at the next meetup. All right, so that's the business part. Like, we've done the business part at Jan3 Aqua. Let's talk bush stuff, because you and I share a passion. We both love the African wilderness, and I have been having these visions. I've said this quite a few times on my show. I said, look, I love number go up, and I want fuck you money. And the reason why is because I want to do good things in my life. I don't need things, but I want to do good things. One of them is to have a piece of pristine wilderness that I can protect. I want to protect these animals because when I go to the bush, I feel like alive, like a real human again. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and you're doing some stuff in real life. So I'd love you to talk to us about what you're doing in terms of like your NGO work and then just weave in how Bitcoin actually like is part of that strategy and what your vision is. Yeah, this is something that my wife and I, we started. Like when we got married, like over 20 years ago, we were on honeymoon uh, here in South Africa. And we actually loved the place and the wilderness and uh, mm. being there, spending time there. But we didn't really come back for 20 years. And then when our kids got older, we wanted to show them the places that we uh, were on the honeymoon. <laughs> So uh, we brought them here, it was like five years ago, and we showed them every place that we went. Uh, some of the places, they even didn't exist anymore. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, but then the city, like the village of Hoedspruit, uh, became way bigger than we knew it 20 years before. Yeah. And uh, we went to see some uh, conservation projects because that's an interest of us. And I saw this one project from a woman who is like, I'd call her, she doesn't like this probably, but I call her an elephant whisperer. <laughs> she's, yes. she's really helping elephant conservation in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And they were setting up a new 
elephant nursery. And they needed money to do that. Mm -hmm. And they were raising uh, funds. And you could buy like a heart. And they were selling 1,000 hearts. And each heart was like $80. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, Helen, yeah, we got to do this. So, I mean, let's buy some hearts. So I bought one for myself, for Helen, and for the kids. Yeah. But I kept looking. We went back home. And I kept looking at that project. And they were not really selling that much hearts. I mean, they were like maybe at 200, but not at 1,000. Yeah. And I saw some messages uh, uh, on their website, and I saw people saying, well, listen, I want to support your project, but $80 is really way too much for me but I, because I don't have that much money. Can I pay like ten ti uh, eight times $10? Mm. That's feasible for me. And these people, they did that. And then you start thinking, I mean, what the hell is going on? No one from Europe, because we try to convince people like support them. Maybe. Yeah. No one from Europe, these people, I mean, they have lots of money. They're not supporting this kind of projects. Mm -hmm. And then people who barely have enough money to make the end of the month, they want to make eight payments of $10. Mm. So I said, Helen, we yeah. got to, I, I told Helen, we got to do something. Uh, we got to help these kind of projects. So we decided to uh, put up a nonprofit in Belgium that we would use entirely to uh, raise funds and pass them on to these organizations. Now, it was really not that simple because many of these organizations, they kind of believe that when you start working with them, that you want to benefit from them. And they need your trust mm -hmm. before you start working with them. Okay. So we had to convince them that we had good intentions. We wanted to help them. But we, I mean, now we became really good friends. And we have some really nice projects going on. For instance, we have a project with a French artist who does these elephant sculptures in bronze. Mm -hmm. And he made two special collections for us, elephants. Each sculpture is like 10,000 uh, euros. They're being sold by a gallery in uh, Belgium, uh, I mean, an art gallery. Yeah. They're helping us to sell them. And we get uh, 1,000 euros for each that is sold. And that goes entirely to the elephants. Okay, yeah. wonderful. Okay. And the artist, he promised to do 100 of these sculptures. So if we manage to sell them all, then we have raised 100,000 euros for the elephants. Fantastic. So that's one of the projects that we have going. But then while visiting them and while being in Bitcoin, I started talking to them about why do you not adopt Bitcoin? I mean, it could be interesting for you in different aspects. It can be interesting for fundraising but it can also be interesting in terms of using it in the community. Mm -hmm. And then with elephants, uh, there is a big issue because this woman, I mean, she's between 40, 50 years old, but she takes in little elephants now in the nursery. Mm -hmm. And these elephants, they live for 60 years, maybe even longer, maybe 70 years. Yes. So these elephants will be alive when she's not there anymore. And she needs to find a way to keep protecting these animals. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking with her about setting up maybe like a Bitcoin fund, mm -hmm. try to raise money. Not too much probably, but raise the funds, keep them in there for 10 years that they can appreciate in value. Yeah. And then have some kind of um, spending plan that allows her to take funds from the fund, but make sure that the fund keeps growing. And that's feasible. I mean, 
if Bitcoin keeps growing at the rate that it has been growing in the past, even less, I mean, Bitcoin has almost been doubling every year on average. Yeah. Imagine that Bitcoin goes up 15% per year. That's not too wild. No. That's feasible. If you can have that, then you can take 15% of the fund every year and you will keep, I mean, your capital. You preserve your capital. Yeah. 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 And then it can go on, go on for, for many years. So this kind of thinking we are, yeah. we are doing now to see if we can help her protect uh, uh, the elephants. So we managed to get her here at the conference uh, uh, in Cape Town. Also another organization that we are working with. They're also interested in looking into. So mm. we, 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 we combined it. Yes. And now, I mean, we'll see what, what's going to happen next. I know. I mean, this is going to be, you're not going to broadcast this today. Yeah, this will come out of uh, so a I couple can, of weeks. So I can say already that by the end of the day, Herman uh, from Bitcoin Ikazi, he's going to make an announcement that they have a gift from Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador. And this gift uh, is going to be used to help one of these organizations implement Bitcoin and develop a local community uh, and so on. Oh, awesome. So I know it's going to happen tonight. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some of them are going to be very happy probably. Yeah, yeah. But they have been working on that and we're going to have people. Bitcoin Ikazi is actually going to have one guy from them being involved, traveling to Hoodspread, living with the organization for over a week. But then we're going to have someone from the organization coming to Bitcoin Ikazi for a full month, experiencing how everything is working. And then we're going to take those two people back to the organization for another two weeks mm. to start the implementation. Wonderful, wonderful. So, and, and then I'm assuming there they're going to learn a little bit about circular economies and trying to how, how Bitcoin could benefit the surrounding community. Because it's something I've thought about. Like, obviously, you've got the corporate treasury side, which makes sense, where you can sort of put it on your balance sheet and just leave it alone and then in a decade's time you could just withdraw kind of 15% and yep. you still got your capital. Um, that's an absolute no-brainer. Raising funds, as you say, makes perfect sense. Like you don't want to have, um, you don't want to have like minimum amounts. Like you want to say, you want to give me a dollar, you want to give me a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, here's my address, lightning or whatever. Like it makes perfect sense. I, I donate to a crowd here called Four Paws, which is like um, they do uh, sort of a help res uh, rescue abused uh, big cats okay that's their mission so okay. they're, they're in uh, the free state province mm -hmm. and um i basically uh, it comes off my credit card though you know what i mean it's like yeah. i have to give them my debit card yeah. and i think there is like you know it's not a big amount but yeah it, there's a much more elegant way to do that and i think the piece that i always think about though is also like the surrounding community how can you step in and this refers to like a, a slide i saw early on uh, on the presentations where you've got chronic state failure, mm -hmm. how can Bitcoin help and empower the surrounding community and help yep. them take you know, personal responsibility for their lives, uh, protect yep. their savings and all that kind of stuff. And that for me is just as important, I guess, in the long run. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we're thinking about different uh, ways to do it. Uh, one of them uh, is, I mean, for the elephants, they have like 30 people caring for them in a rotation system, but they could be rewarded with sets and then they could spend those sets in the cafeteria buying stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's really on the spot. Yes. But then when these people go back, I mean, they stay, they stay in the location for like a week or two, I believe, and mm -hmm. then they go back home for another week. So they can take that money in their Bitcoin wallet back home. And yes. then hopefully in their community, they can also start talking about it. So that's how it spreads. 
Uh, we're also looking into uh, the other organization that is engaged with schools, with little kids. They come visit the elephants to learn about uh, wildlife mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, animals. But we might even consider uh, uh, adding some kind of Bitcoin education program uh, for these kids. And maybe they just come visit the elephants, they, on their phone, they get some sets, and then they can also spend it they in the cafeteria and they can buy some sweets. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. You know, what I've thought about, and this is a, like an idea that I've got, is like, I've got a big dream to buy a piece of land, but it's gonna, I need to scale this down so it's more achievable. And I think what could be achievable is something like this, because I think Bitcoiners care about the natural world. Mm -hmm. There's something about, I don't know, it's like proof of work or something. Nature's the ultimate, like most beautiful sort of system mm -hmm. that's got so, so many you know, moving parts and uh, in perfect balance if we don't get involved. I've, I've imagined a situation where we go, all right, if we're able to, as a group of Bitcoiners, acquire a share or a, house in a private reserve let's say the kind of place that i'm fortunate enough to go to and that's about and that's going to cost around uh that would be about 20 20 million rand so just call it just for our numbers like you know i don't know one million dollar yeah yeah mm -hmm. something like that you know so you say all right that's what we need then what we do is you've got 365 days of the year you can bring people there and you just bring bitcoiners from around the world and you showcase your yep. spot. Time, share. you, time you, sharing. You basically time share it in. And, and then maybe, ed educating Bitcoin in the bush. Yeah, maybe, what, you, yeah, Great maybe idea. what you're doing is you're, like, you're bringing these people in and you, you create like it could be a Bitcoin like, um, you know, where you're saying, hey, man, mm -hmm. I'll take you, I'll cater for you, I'll do everything. Yep. You raise the funds through Bitcoin and then yep. eventually they talk to people about it. And then now you suddenly got like this groundswell of Bitcoiners that care about this. Yep. That now when you go and say, hey, guys, we want to, um, you know, we want to rescue a rhino from this particular part that park that's like getting terribly hit by poachers. Let's rescue this guy and come and give him a life with us. Yep. People are going, yeah, I'll smash you 10,000 sats. And we got like, you know, 100,000 people doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I think can happen because Great it's amazingly idea. powerful. Yep. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I want to make this dream come true, man, because uh, that's what I want. Just do of, it. Yeah, just yeah. do it. I, when I think about I want lots of money, it's for that, man, because I'm like, Yep. I really want to make a difference in that respect because mm -hmm. there's, don't really, I don't need a yacht and a Lamborghini and all that crap. I just want to do something that nourishes the soul and I can't wait to get back there. Um, yeah, Ben, it's been awesome meeting you and I've really enjoyed like sort of understanding more about Jan 3, learning about Aqua. I think it's a fantastic um, app. Certainly, it's idiot proof, which is the main thing I love. And certainly your work in, in wildlife. Woo! So stoked. Is there anything you want, you want to leave us with today? Any, uh, any closing words? No, I think we covered most of it. It was a pleasure talking to you. And awesome. I hope to do it again in the future. Brilliant. Absolutely. Maybe I'll see you in your part of the world, hey? in Europe one day. Well, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Thank okay. you. All right. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you got some value out of it. Either way, hit me up on Twitter and let me know what you think. My handle is dale21m. If you've got any suggestions as to people you think I should be talking to or topics I should address to, I would love that sort of feedback. Otherwise, if you want to support the show, there's a couple different ways you can do that. The first is just to share it amongst your friends and family. The more that people hear the message that Bitcoin and crypto are not the same thing, the better. And I want to help people understand that. The second thing you can do is give me a five-star review on whichever podcast app you're using. Of course, that's only if I deserve it. And last but not least, if you want to stream Satsmoe via the Fountain app, I'm not going to say no, but it's not expected. 
Thank you so much for your support thus far. It means the world to me. I appreciate the hell out of you and the best is yet to come. Much love, friends. I'll see you on the other side.